Welcome to First Importance, featuring the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 3, Nehemiah, chapter 3. On my lapel here today is a little sticker that Bell Hall, my little two-year-old girl, placed on me right before I came, and it says, my eyesight's not as good as I thought it was, you are the best by far. And so Sarah said, are you sure you want to leave that on there? And I said, absolutely, I'm going to leave that on there as long as it will stay. So probably about, uh, about five more minutes once I get worked up here before it falls off. Nehemiah chapter 3. I remember when I was uh, just turning into a teenager, uh, there was a gentleman in my town who was well known uh, throughout the town who asked me and my brother to come and do a job for him at his house. Uh, This man was well known throughout the community for uh, his hard work ethic and his uh, being an expert businessman, which I later discovered meant he was cheap when he came to pay us, but I'm gonna leave that alone. Um, we, we, he asked us to come out to his house and to wash a fence. He had a, a, a fence that separated his house from his cow pastures. And, and uh, it, it was a fence that was about four feet tall. It was white. And it had a, a post about every eight feet. And then it had three, like two by six slats that went across. And when, when we went out to just survey it, uh, it was... Uh, it was really dirty, and so my brother and I were thinking, all right, uh, this is going to be a job, but it'll, it'll be fun. My dad wanted to teach us how to have a good work ethic, and, and so uh, we got out there early one morning. My dad woke us up early, early one morning and took us out just as the sun was rising, and, and the, the business owner had told us, this gentleman in our community, he said, I'll provide everything that you need to clean my fence, and we got out there earlier in that morning. I'm telling you, if that fence was a foot, it was a mile long. And he had provided for us one five-gallon bucket filled with water that had soap in it and two sponges that were the size, I'm not lying, I've seen pepperonis bigger (laughs) than these sponges. They were red. And I remember thinking, this will take forever. My dad dropped us off. He, he drove back into the city of BB, our hometown, and my brother and I began to assess how we're going to do this, okay? Well, what if I take the first, the first section and you'll take the second section? No, no, no. We began to talk, and who knows how much time went by before finally, I don't know if the businessman had called my dad up and said, you better tell these boys to get to work, but he drove back out there in his Chevy S10, and he pulled up, and we were just sitting there thinking, how are we going to tackle this big job? My dad said to us, boys, it's time to get to work. Boys, it's time to get to work. You know, believers are good at talking about how we're going to tackle issues, aren't we? We've, we've gotten really good at talking about how we're going to fix the problems. Many of you have coffee clubs uh, in, the, in the mornings where you talk about how you'd fix the problems. Uh, a lot of times we spend our time in our small groups on Sunday mornings talking about how we'll fix the problems. We've gotten really good about talking about fixing the problems. But believers, it's time that we stop talking and we start getting to work. 
That's the title of our sermon today, Get to Work. It reminds me of James chapter 1 in verse 22 through 25. James says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He goes on to say, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You know, Nehemiah understood this principle. That yes, there are some things that must happen before you get to work, but eventually it's time to get to work. And those walls around Jerusalem were not going to build themselves. So he comes in and chapter 3 serves for us as really a comprehensive and a tedious description of how the citizens of Jerusalem led by Nehemiah get to work on the wall that is around them. That's our passage today. And because it is such a long passage, uh, I just want us to pray over it, and then we're going to pull out a few key things that I want us to learn as we survey chapter 3 today. So join me as we pray together, please. Father in heaven, I pray now that you would speak through me from your word to your people. Father, I pray that you'd challenge us. Father, I pray that you'd draw us closer to Jesus. And Father, I pray that right now your spirit would take over Lord, and that you would do a work in and through me in the lives of your people that would be unexplainable to this world. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would so fill this place that people driving by on Missouri Street would sense the presence of your spirit here. Lord, please do this not for my name, but Lord, for your great name and for the glory of your great name and for your people. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This year, we've been talking about God's epic work through us, and we just finished a mini-series. If you're just now joining us, we just finished a mini-series entitled Making an Epic Start. And we said if you're going to make an epic start or a restart in life, there are a few things that you've got to do. The first thing was prayer. I heard it over here. Very good. If you're going to make an epic start, you have to begin with prayer. You have to have prayer that takes priority. And today, if you're looking to make an epic restart in your life, if you're needing a do-over, it needs to begin with prayer. Nehemiah exemplified this for us in chapter 1. But not only should we be people who begin with prayer, but we should also be people who wait upon the Lord. We saw how Nehemiah waited upon the Lord, waited for God to move. We have to be people who don't rush past God's plan, but wait upon Him. He is good to those who wait upon Him. After that, we learned that while we're waiting, we need to look for opportunities and seize God-given opportunities. And then as we closed out our Epic Start series, we said that we need to be people who evaluate. That's what we looked at last week. We ought, to be, we ought to be people who own up, own up to our sins, own up to our failures. We ought to be people who team up together. We ought to be people who gird up, that is people who, who are able and willing to work hard, and we ought to be, be people who look up. But now, as we begin our series, 
do an epic work. That's our mini-series that we're in. I, I want to encourage you to stop talking, to, to, to get off our seats, and to do an epic work. God has an epic work planned to do through us, a work that is bigger than anything we could do on our own, and it requires us to stop just talking about it and to get to work. And Nehemiah is going to teach us today how we can get to work. And as I, as I survey uh, Nehemiah chapter 3, I really see four words exemplified in this chapter that I think that you can take with you if you want to do an epic work. Number one, if you're taking notes, I see all throughout chapter 3, I see the word consecration. Not concentration. I see consecration. You can find that really in verses 1 and 2, although it's throughout the entire uh, chapter. Then Elijah, the high priest, rose with his brothers, the priest, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred and as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachor, the son of Emery built. You see, the first place that they started was at the sheep gate. Nehemiah understood one very important thing that God's people so often forget. That if you are going to get to work, you need to start with what is important. To start with what should take place priority. And as he begins to get to work, as they start the project, the very first list on their to-do list, the very first item is that they're to take care of the temple, God's place. It says here that Elisha, the high priest, and his brothers, the priest, they began by repairing and building the sheep gate. It's interesting, the sheep gate was located uh, next to the temple, and it was the gate through which the sheep were brought in that, that could be sacrificed. The sheep that would be brought into that temple so that, so that sacrifice could be made for the forgiveness of sins for the people of Israel. It was in priority for Israel to begin with the things of God. And I, I want you to know this. I want you to write this down. You cannot have a trace of spiritual success in your life if you do not make God and the things of God a priority in your life. Let me say that again. You cannot have a trace of spiritual success in your life if you do not make God and the things of God a priority in your life. Nehemiah knew it. He said, if we're going to start building, the first place is this sheep's gate. We need to make sure that we have a secure place where people can bring in the sheep that we're going to be sacrificing to our God. And the same thing for us, we have to prioritize the things of God. If you are not making God a priority, then there's a good chance. No, there's not a good chance. It's definitive. You will not be a part of an epic work that God wants to do through you. He wants to do an epic work through you. And it requires really our obedience here to put the things of God first. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first. Listen, is God a priority to you? 
Where does he fall down on the list of your priorities? Listen, if you do not prioritize prayer, you're not going to have a prayer life. It'll be infrequent. It'll happen maybe, maybe just at meals or maybe just when you get into hard times. But you see, as God's people who want to see him do an epic work through us, we ought to prioritize God and the things of God. Is prayer a priority in your life? We'll see all throughout the book of Nehemiah that prayer was a priority. Friends, prayer ought to be a priority for us. What about quiet times? Do you know what I mean by quiet time? I mean, do you have moments each day, time set aside where you open up God's Word and systematically you read the Scripture? That means not, not haphazardly, not here, not there, not throughout the Scripture. But the, do you have time each day where you prayerfully study the Scripture? Is that a priority in your life? Again, you're not going to have a trace of success in your spiritual walk, in your life with Jesus, if you do not prioritize time alone with God in prayer and time alone in God's Word. Now, I know you hear me say that. You're saying, Josh, you don't know what kind of schedule I have. Listen, you make time for what's important to you. You do. Everybody in here, listen, I'm looking out here. Most of you, like me, you've not skipped a meal, all right? You make time for that lunch. You make time for that breakfast or that supper. You make time for that snack. You do what's important to you. Is having a quiet time, is having time alone with God important to you? If not, it's not that, it's not that you don't have priorities. It's that you've revealed your priorities, and Jesus just isn't one of them. Nehemiah understood that if they were going to be successful, they had to begin with what was important. That is the things of God. Are you having time alone with, in, in prayer with God? Are you having time alone with Him in, in His Word? Is church a priority? Friends, I want to tell you something. God has gifted this world with a wonderful body called the church. The church, I'm going to tell you, I have loved the church from the time that I was young. And, and there's, of course, been times where I've kind of dreaded certain things in the church and, and all these things. But the, the church is wonderful. God has placed the church in this world to reach the world for Him. Church is not optional. Church is not just part of it. You have to be plugged in to a local Bible-believing church. Is that important to you? And I wrote down just a, a few things here as I look at Scripture. Attendance is important to church from the New Testament perspective. Attendance is very important to church if it's going to be a priority to you. Are you faithful in attending? Uh, uh, tithing is extremely important. You know, if you want to find out what you value, you, you look at your checkbook, you look at your bank account, you see what you've been spending your money on, and you'll find out what is priority to you. Are you tithing? That is, are you giving regularly of, the, of what God has given you? Are you giving uh, incrementally 10% of what God has given you back to his church? Church, if God is a priority to you, that not only is it important that we have prayer time, quiet time, attending church regularly, not frequently missing, but it's important that we tithe as well. Can I get an amen there? Come on, Kristen, our financial sector, I got to get an amen at least from there, right? Serving, finding a place to plug in and to serve. 
You will know that if you value church, if you value God's church, by whether or not you serve the church, whether you are serving in the church. You see, it was a priority for Nehemiah to begin with the things of God, and it should be a priority for us to begin with the things of God. But number two, I think that we can see throughout chapter three, I think we can see the word organization. Consecration, that means uh, that, that, that they began with the things that were important and they, and they wanted to be holy and they wanted to be set apart. But next, I see the word organization. I see the discipline of organization. And you can look in verse 3, but really it's throughout the entire chapter. The sons of hard word built the fish gate. Every time I come to a hard word, I'll just say hard word there. The sons of hard word built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. You see, Nehemiah began with a plan. All throughout chapter 3, we see this plan being executed. You know, we have a need really in the church for organization, especially right now more than ever. I think a, a lot of times there has been confusion with organization as being equal to legalism. You know, if you, if you read in the bulletin kind of the order of service, yeah, we have a plan for service, but we're more than ready when God breaks out revival to change up that schedule just a little bit. Amen? We're more than happy to amend that. You see, organization should not be confused with legalism. We're going to stick to these strict rules outside of the Bible and, and, and not do anything else. No, and confusion also in this day and age is, um, is, is confused. Organization is, is often thought of as being opposite of spirit-led activity. Organization, when, when you say organization to some people my age or organizing in the church, they'd say, well, you know, if you're going to be led by the spirit, it has to be kind of haphazard and chaotic. But that's not true either. God is a God of order. He expects us to be people who fall in line with that order. In creation, God had an order. Did you know those most difficult passages of Scripture, the genealogies, you know who wrote those? God. He's a God of order. When Israel left Egypt, they did so in an orderly way. When God organized the locations of, of where each uh, tribe would be around the tabernacle as, they, as the Israelites began to go into the promised land. It was done so in an orderly fashion. God's law itself presents to us an order. But so often in the church, we, we push that aside. Nehemiah understood that organization was important. Now, I'm, I'm going to share a little secret with you. I am not by nature an organized person. That may surprise some of you. It may not surprise some of you, Sarah saying amen on the front row. I am not by nature an organized person, but I struggle day in and day out to discipline myself, especially when it concerns the church, to be organized. Why? Because you organize, you take care of, you administer what is important to you. And we see organization is, is something that was very much a part of what Nehemiah was doing in chapter 3. The work was organized. In 1 Corinthians 14, 40, we're told that all things should be done in church decently in order. 
I, don't, I know it doesn't come easy to all of us, but we are to be people who are orderly. Let me tell you kind of what this means in, in your house. If you don't put aside a time for a quiet time that we talked about earlier, you're not going to have it. If you don't set aside a time where I'm going to wake up early or I'm going to stay up later and I'm going to open up God's word and I'm going to say, Lord, please speak to me through your word. If you don't set aside time, if you don't organize that, it's not going to happen. And if it does, it will be very infrequent. It'll be sporadic. We should be people who strive earnestly for this gift of administration and organization. We should be disciplining ourselves for the cause of Christ to do what Nehemiah displayed in chapter 3, organization. And you might say, where do I begin? I look in verse 23, and I see where where God had many of them begin. In verse 23 of chapter 3, Nehemiah is recording the work of all that's being done. It says, after them, Benjamin and Hashub repaired opposite, opposite their house. And after them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. You see, Nehemiah had planned it where a lot of these folks would rebuild the wall that was right in front of them. They had a lot of stock in that wall and it being secure. They didn't want the enemy, if the enemy was going to breach the wall, they didn't want it to happen in their backyard. And so they wanted that to be done correctly. And so Nehemiah would place people right in their backyard to repair the walls that had fallen. And and from that, really, I gather this for us today, work the wall that is in front of you. Work the wall that is in front of you. The life that you've been given, bloom where you're planted. Grow there. Serve there. Work the wall that is in front of you. It's, it's the spouse that God has given you. We had a wonderful marriage conference yesterday. All those who were there, I believe God really blessed. He blessed. I know he blessed me and, and Sarah through that conference. Uh, but you know what? God has uh, given many of you in here a, a spouse, a wonderful spouse. And whether you believe that or not, he's the spouse that God has given you. Work the wall. I mean, you love the spouse that God has given you. What about the job that you're in? It may be difficult. Be faithful at the job that you've been given for the time that you've been given. Work the wall that is in front of you. I, I look at this text and I see consecration. I see organization, but I also see cooperation. Cooperation. Look in verse 4. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hekaz, repaired. And next to them, hard word, the son of Berechiah, son of hard word, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Banna, repaired. You see, next to one another, they worked hand in hand. They worked together. You know, it's encouraging when we work together. Isn't it encouraging when we work together? I was thinking earlier this morning, one of my favorite games when I was growing up in school was Red Rover. How many of you played Red Rover in here? Man, kids are missing out today on on that game that really taught you whether you're going to succeed in life or not, you know? You would stand on one side and you would hold hands with a team and one wink, wink, link, one weak link is where everyone would aim for. All right, I'm going to aim for Josh's arm and, and this other person's arm, and I'm going to run through their arm. 
Man, there's a lot, I got hurt a lot of times on the playground from just being determined not to let go of some other, some other person's hand. You know, but we, in that game, you're supposed to work together. You're supposed to hold on to one another's hands. And that, that brings encouragement. And we see in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 3, the importance of cooperating with one another. It's encouraging. And God created us to work together. If that's so, then how come, how come it is that so many times in the church, we're known for not getting along rather than getting along? Hmm? How come we're often known for being lazy people who don't, who don't work together? And we say that we just don't want to do that, but really it's, we just say maybe we don't get along with that person or, or whatever it is, but really it's just laziness. We don't, we don't work together. We don't hold hands. What would happen today? What would happen today if First Baptist Church, West Memphis, all joined hands and went out and took the gospel to West Memphis? They would see a people united. They would see a people that are different. Now, we know what other churches are like. We know what other places are like. There's bitterness, there's rivalries, there's dissensions. But you see, Nehemiah got all these people on the same page. He said, we got to cooperate with one another. We have to work hand in hand next to one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 20 says, of the church... For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And listen, if we're going to be a, a body of believers that functions properly, we have to work with one another. It has to happen. Now, I thank God for the spirit of unity that he has placed in this church. Can I get an amen there? There is a sense of unity and of kindness that I sense from this church that I know is not common among a lot of churches. And I thank God for that. But if you want to settle for right where we are, you go right on ahead. But I'm going to keep pushing ahead and asking for God to do more in our lives. I know things appear to be unified right now, God, but I want us more on the same page than we were yesterday. I want tomorrow for us to be more on the same page together than we were last year. And as the years progress, I want us to grow with one another in grace and in love and in truth. We were made to work together. That's why God has placed us here today. If you have something against your brother and sister who's in this place, you better get it right. You, that's not coming from me. I would like to sit up here and bully you. I don't know of anyone who has any problems with anyone else in here. I would love to just sit up here and just kind of take the Josh stand. But this is scripture. If you have something against your brother before you start coming here and start worshiping and put on that fake smile and raise your hand, you better get it right with them first. You better go to them and ask for forgiveness. If, if, if it wasn't for something you did wrong, for the bitterness that you've held against them. 
You better go and fix that. Because we've got to be unified. We have to work together. It's encouraging to know that you're not working alone. But we also see in verse 5, as we look at this word cooperation, that just as it's encouraging to know that you're not working alone, it's discouraging to know that some are not working. Look in verse 5. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Uh, The English language has a symbol that we call the asterisk. If you see the asterisk in a publication, it's that little kind of star thing really above above an end of a sentence somewhere. If you see this in a publication, it indicates that the sentence or the phrase that is annotated should be omitted. If, if I look at this passage today, I look at the Tekoites in verse 5, the nobles, they may have had a lot of favor in that time. They may have had a lot of riches, and they might have had the rule. They might have had prominence. They might have had popularity. But to the readers of Nehemiah today, they will always be and will only ever be just an asterisk. People who would not get off of their high horse and get down and get in the dirt and get in the mud and work. To the people, to the readers today of chapter 3, these will always be people who turned up their nose when, when, when their help was needed. There will always be people who were too good. They were a footnote in history. Listen, we talked a little bit yesterday about legacy. Don't be an asterisk. Don't be a footnote in history. Get on board, work, serve, cooperate. Don't be the, the one little phrase here in Nehemiah 3 of the people who wouldn't help. You know, six centuries after the Nehemiah was written, the Tekoites are going to be seeking refuge, and they're going, to come to, uh, they're going to come to a Jewish fortress, and they're not going to be let in because of this moment. Because of this moment. As a matter of fact, the leader of that fortress said, if I find any Tekoite in any house in this fortress... I'm going to burn that house to the ground. It's a little harsh. But I want to encourage you to be people who cooperate. I've noticed three things so far in our text, and so many more things could be gathered. But I I want you to move now with me to our fourth point, which is dedication. We've seen consecration. They put what should be first, first. They put the things of God first. And if you are not doing that, if you hear nothing else today, if you are not putting God first, then stop everything you're doing, repent, and begin to make Him priority in your life. Make time alone with Him and prayer a priority. Make church a priority. Make tithing a priority. Make your serving in the church a priority. And after you have done that, I want you to commit to not only that, but to being organized. Uh, this isn't self-help, but planning, planning to serve in the church, planning to spend time alone with the Lord. And then after that, I want to encourage you to cooperate. The last thing that Nehemiah displays for us in this epic work that is going to be done on the wall is the word dedication. Look with me in verse 8. Nehemiah chapter 3 in verse 8. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Hariah, goldsmiths repaired. 
And next to them, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired. There was some dedication here. Despite the profession, these people were not professional wall builders. These people were not architects. These people were not engineers. But it didn't matter what their gift was, they were still going to serve. Goldsmiths, perfumers. As a matter of fact, despite, uh, uh, despite all these things, in verse 32, we see merchants are going to come out there. Despite status, we're going to see rulers. We're going to see the rich. We're going to see the poor. All people are going to get in despite what the, the gifts and the status that they have. And they are going to serve. You know, can I just tell you this? Despite whatever status that you're in today, come work the wall with me. Despite whatever profession you have, come work the wall with me. You see, the walls of West Memphis and of Marion and of Crittenden County are broken down, and they don't need professional wall builders over here. They need teachers, and they need plumbers, and they need electricians whose main job is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, regardless of what profession, regardless of what job you get paid for in this life, your main job as a Christian is to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your main priority in life, your heartbeat, should be the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter 2.5, we will learn that we ourselves, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that God didn't just call the people who are able to talk really well to share the gospel. Those eloquent people who can craft words together without stuttering. Oh man, I, I get envious of them sometimes. They're able to, to pronounce every name correctly in Nehemiah chapter 3. I would love to see that happen. By the way, if you can, uh, if you can say every word correctly in Nehemiah chapter 3, come to me. Not afterwards, because I want to go eat lunch, but come meet another time, and, and, we, will, uh, and we will do that together. It'll be, it'll be great. Uh, and I wouldn't be able to correct you, because I can't, I can't do it. So every one of you could line up to do that, but let's not do that. I'm glad God didn't call just the eloquent to preach the gospel. I'm glad he didn't call the wisest of people to follow him. But God, I love, he doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. Whatever profession you're in, whatever stage of life you're in, he wants to take you and he wants to use you. Right now, the, he wants to use us to get the gospel to West Memphis and the Marion and to Crittenden County. He wants to use us to help heal broken hearts. He wants to use us to transform this city and this nation. He wants to use us right now. And despite any of their status, despite any of their professions, God used his people to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. So can I ask you, will you work the wall with me? Thanks for joining us for this episode of First Importance. You're invited to check out our other sermons on this channel, and if you're in the West Memphis area, to join us for our Sunday worship at 1045 a.m.